soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. Verse 1 of chapter 17. It's about 2000 BC. This is the father of faith, Abraham. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you. Also I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Now, when we did chapter 15 last week, and we talked about this, where God made the promise to Abram, he said, look at the stars. If you could count them, your descendants would be more than that. And we're told that Abram believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And we talked about this, that verse is so important, Genesis 15, 6, because It's a type of the gospel of Jesus Christ because the church has been telling people for 2,000 years, every tongue, tribe, and nation, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved from your sins and you'll pass from death to life. If if you'll confess him with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And we're told that if anyone be in Christ or a new creation, all things have passed away, all things are new. We're told in Adam all sin and die, but in Christ all are made alive. We pass from condemnation in Adam to justification, and it's through faith. So the church has a message where we preach faith in Jesus. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. That's the message of the church for 2,000 years from the day of Pentecost. There in the book of Acts, chapter 2. But we realize in the Old Testament, before Christ came, that everything's a shadow of Christ and pointing toward Christ. And that text last week, where God promised Abraham something beyond him, And Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So he believed God. He just believed the promise. And because he believed the promise, God said, you're righteous. Not because he was a good person or did good things. He didn't earn righteousness. He received it. And this is the same for us through faith in Jesus Christ. We're going to heaven because of our faith in Jesus Christ, believing in who he is, what he's done, and laying hold of the promises. We're not, no one's going to be in heaven when we get there. Because we earned our way. We're going to get there and be there. And everyone there is there because they believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether it was in the last moment of life, like the thief on the cross. Or it was a fruitful life given out over serving the Lord your entire life. Like Pastor John Corson in Applegate, Oregon. Or something like that. Or Pastor Chuck Smith. But in this text of 15.6, that he believed the Lord was accounting for righteousness. That verse is affirmed, as I mentioned last week, three times 
for the gospel. So it's a shadow of the gospel. It's, we're told in Colossians that the Old Testament is a shadow of things to come, but the substance is Christ. So there's a shadow. And then as the Spirit interprets the Bible and Scripture interprets Scripture, this verse is brought forward three different times in the New Testament for the gospel. This is important tonight because I draw your attention to this verse where he says, verse 3 through that middle part we just read, then Abram fell on his face, and God talked to them, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. So here he gets the name change from Abram to Abraham, a head father to a father of nations. It's the name change. But to understand this passage more clearly, because here we're looking at it in black and white. It's like we're listening to it on an 8-track player in a car in the 70s, like a Scooby-Doo van. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at this verse as it's interpreted for us in surround sound, in technicolor. Because this verse is quoted for us in Romans chapter 4 for the gospel of grace concerning Jesus Christ. And this is important that we understand it as it applies to us theologically for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ and then in application for our lives this day because this is our time on the planet and has an application for us. So in Romans chapter 4, when the Holy Spirit was guiding Paul to explain that we're saved by faith, that Father Abram was saved by faith according to grace, he's in some deep thought, but we're going we're gonna to kind of jump into the middle of it And I'm going to read to you from verse 16 of chapter 4, Romans, where he's explaining that Abram was not saved because he did good works according to the flesh. He was saved because he believed the promises of God. In fact, that text from Genesis 15, 6 is what started Romans chapter 4. And now, as Paul is being led by the Holy Spirit to explain our salvation through faith in Jesus, now he's pulling from Genesis 17 about being the father of many nations in understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ. So stay with me. Verse 16 of Romans 4 is now going to interpret the text we just read in Genesis 17. Therefore, because it is of faith that Abram is saved according to grace, so that the promises, that is the promises of God, would be sure to all the offspring or the seed, not only to those who are of the law, that is the Jews of the Old Testament, but also those who have faith of Abram, Abraham, who is the father of us all. See, the gospel came to the Jew first through Jesus Christ and to the Jewish nation. And then the church took the gospel in obedience to Jesus Christ, go make disciples of all nations, to all. And in the Old Testament, God prophesied time and time again that the good news was for all nations, even though Israel was a select nation with a covenant with him at that time for 1,500 years. Okay? So he's the father of us all. All, verse 16, Romans 4, as it is written, and now we're quoting, the Holy Spirit's quoting the text we just read tonight. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him who he believed, God, he gives, that is, God gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they do, who contrary to hope in hope believe, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. So, When God made this promise that we just read in Genesis 17, Abram has had the promise for decades and nothing's happened. He's not one step closer to those promises on this day. With his wife not able to have children, it was going to have to be supernatural in the first place. But because God can call those things that aren't as if they are, 
He can just keep on giving the promises decade after decade without seeing any of it come to pass. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence not yet seen. So here's our father Abraham, the father of the Christian faith, living by faith in Genesis 17, decade after decade, a lot of birthday parties, coming to the land at 75, and now we saw in that text that he's 99. That's 24 years. He does not have the son. He physically, time, space, and matter is not one. In fact, there's not even conception yet for Isaac, the son of promise. He is not one physical cell of time, space, and matter closer to those promises being real to him physically, tangibly, than the day he left Ur of Chaldeans. This is really important. Our God's so awesome. We're going to come back to that. How the promises keep getting better. He has not failed. Now, Hagar, Ishmael, look, the human experience is the human experience. And we got things we're stoked about. We got things we're very embarrassed about. And there's a lot of good Christian songs on the radio that sing about all that. All the above. To those who you can blame, those who are broken down, those, you know, like it just goes on and on. The human experience is very messy on a good day. That's why we're saved by faith according to grace. That Genesis 17 text we read, and now the Holy Spirit, 2,000 years later, interpreting it for us, that what God did, he gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope believe, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. He doesn't have one descendant, according to the promise. He doesn't even have conception, according to the promise. His wife is past menopause. Everything's past the natural. It's all God and his promises. Just like we can't raise ourselves from the grave, and we can't save ourselves and justify ourselves before God in heaven. It is Christ who gives us the hope. It is Christ who's the resurrection and the life. It is Christ who's our good shepherd. And it is Christ who will justify us on the day of the Lord before the Father. You see? That's, that's, the, that's the fullness of this story for us this day, the Church of Jesus Christ, which, of course, needless to say, separates us from any other organization, if you will, on this planet. We are not a political party or a philosophy of men. We are the living organism of God, God's kingdom on earth, the church. And we're yoked to Abram, who became Abraham, and Sarai, who became the mother of us all. Sarah, that's who we are. Now, Romans 4 goes on. So not being weak in faith, verse 19, Romans 4. When this, when God said, I'm God Almighty, you walk before me blameless, we are told that Abraham was not weak in faith. Almost three decades, not one step closer to the, the dream, the promise, to seeing it. He is not weak in faith. In fact, the longer he's gone on without seeing, the stronger his faith has gotten. We read on in Romans Verse 19, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he, that is God, had promised that he, God, was able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted for righteousness. See, if you look in the mirror when you're 99 and you're waiting on a baby, I think if you think you're the guy that's going to make it happen and your wife of 90 who is past menopause isn't, I mean, 
you just, you'd be discouraged. And don't you get discouraged when you look in the mirror long enough? And the day you look in the mirror and you're proud of yourself, just give it a week or so, you'll look again and you'll be embarrassed and humiliated by yourself. The mirror just tells it the way it is, you know. All those days and weeks and months and seasons and day plan after day plan after day planner and phone upgrade after phone upgrade after phone upgrade. And yet the promise was there all along and his faith got stronger in that promise though he had nothing more on the day of Genesis 17 than when he left Ur the Chaldeans, Genesis 12. He had nothing more to put that to God's faithfulness that he had seen other than he just believed God because God kept reaffirming the promises. It's amazing, and we're going to application in a moment on this. So we read on in verse 23 of Romans 4. Now it was not imputed For his sake alone, in other words, his righteousness being declared right there isn't just for Abraham. But also for us, WG, para nosotros, for us, this night, we join the church. We are the church. And we join all the previous generations. And as we pass the baton to future generations that come behind us, if the Lord tarries, this story of Genesis 17 The story of Abraham, it is for us. It is for us and our faith in Jesus. It is written for us that that righteousness shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. You see, the great news of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins is he is delivered up for our offenses, every one of them, past, present, future. Don't you look at that cross and say, you did something more that that cross doesn't cover. Because Christ did not die in vain. And the Father did not send him in vain. He paid the price for everything. And while humanity might remind you, the devil might remind you of all your failures, the court system might remind you of all your failures, Jesus Christ, and you might owe society a debt, But Jesus Christ paid it all in full. And when he said it's finished, it is finished. So when we think to this statement, he was delivered up because of our offenses. The people we love and pray for, the people we care about, the people who hate you, the people who persecute you, the people who mock you that you know and don't know. He was delivered up for our offenses and their offenses. And the ultimate mark of maturity going forward in this journey is the ability to forgive people as you've been forgiven. It's like uh, being fluent in a language. You can be, few, know a few words in a language, you can be legally proficient, but to be legally fluent is a whole nother matter. And it's a legal classification to be considered fluent in a language for various government jobs and other companies. You can speak a couple words as a Christian of the kingdom, or you can be proficient in the Christian experience and knowing that God's faithful in your life. But how about being fluent? How about like being fluent in Mandarin like Luke, my son, where you can read it, the characters, thousands of them. You can have political conversations about Chinese politics with Chinese people in Mandarin. That's how we want to be with Jesus because he was delivered up for our offenses. And that's all that matters in the human experience is that we know him as the Savior who paid the price for our offenses. Jesus Christ died for us. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. 
And he's raised for our justification. And if you've ever heard me give altar calls, and I still do them sometimes, not here usually because I almost always know everybody in the room. But when I give an invitation and I pray with people, I pray the prayer that he was raised for our justification. See, the empty tomb, and it is empty. There's no DNA of Jesus in the earth, on planet earth. And whether that empty tomb is the one by the Arab bus stop in East Jerusalem or a different one, I'm telling you, that tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. And that empty tomb affirms our justification. It affirms everything he said, or as Billy Graham used to say, he's liar, lunatic, or Lord. Because he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. And he said, I have power to lay down my life and raise it back up. And he said, I'll raise my life. The only sign that I'll give to the nation of Israel is as Jonah was three days in the belly of the fish, so will the Son of Man be three days in the grave. We know from Matthew chapter 28, the Pharisee said, he said he'll rise on the third day. So we gotta, you got to seal the tomb there, Pilate, or his, his fanatical friends are going to say that he's risen and come take his body. And what did Pilate say? You seal it as good as you know how. There wasn't one army in human history or all the armies in human history gathered together who couldn't keep Jesus in that tomb. Any more so when they gathered Armageddon, they can keep Jesus from establishing his kingdom in the new kingdom coming. Our offenses on the cross are justification with the empty grave. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. And it all goes back to, to Abram, that from you will be a father of nations, a shadow of things to come, like surfing on a wood board in the 30s versus a contemporary board. It's just a shadow of things to come. But the fullness, whatever analogy will help you grasp that, is the fullness is in Christ. And it's all based upon, this is crucial, it is all based upon salvation alone through faith in Jesus Christ. And the promise that God will save us through faith in Jesus Christ. This is the gospel message. This is the message of the church for 2,000 years. This is the message of what we call the evangelical church on this planet today. Because, of course, there's many churches that don't believe Jesus is the Son of God. They don't believe he's the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no other way. They don't believe that people are condemned. They need a Savior. But that's not my problem. That's theirs for time and eternity. And I don't even have a problem with it. It's just their deal. This is the age of choice and self-determination. But in this house, we know that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we're singing these songs with Bobby and Sophie. And Jack will come on Tuesday. And then Danny D will come next Saturday. And we're just elevating the king. And we're just proclaiming the kingdom for the king before he comes. Now, back to Abram. The foundation is a promise without any tangible thing to, to have seen it come to pass. Because faith is the sudden things hoped for, the evidence not yet seen, like the miracle baby and our glorified body with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, or Jesus coming back, the second coming. Either way, we're going, we're going to glory. We're being transformed from glory to glory. So it's a promise. Promises. You have all of them in Jesus, or you have none of them outside of Jesus. So we receive Jesus. We have all the promises. We talked about this last week. It was the application, the universality, if there is such a word, I suppose I should look it up, but universal is a word. So there's a universal element of the promises of God for every believer in Christ, planet-wide right now, for hundreds of thousands of people born again in the Holy Spirit, speaking thousands of languages in 24 different time zones right now, very different cultural experiences, worshiping Jesus. And universally, we have these promises with the, the most down-and-out person in India or the most affluent person in Chile or anything in between. 
You have all the promises or none of the promises. But the apex of the promises of God are the new life in Christ, victory over sin, victory over the devil, victory over the grave, and to live the abundant life that he's called us to. And it's a life of faith, for we are saved by faith, and we walk by faith, not by sight. So really, if we're growing in the Lord, we're going to grow by exercising faith and God stretching us out of our comfort zone. Because that famous quote Pastor Chuck used to say, the difference between a rut and a grave is only depth and width. And if we're not being stretched by faith, we're just going into a rut, which can just become a grave, depth and width. The promises. Now, last week we talked about how we often think of the promises of God as they apply to Greg Laurie filling the stadium for the 30th anniversary of the Harvest Crusade or someone believing God for healing from cancer, those types of things. But those promises are there for every believer equally. God's no respecter of persons in that sense. But what we talked about last week, and we're going to continue that tonight, is the promises of God for you personally. And we talked about if you're reading the word of God and you're filling your mind with praise songs and you're, you're, you're dialed into the frequency, you're dialed into the frequency of the Holy Spirit in your life and how he's speaking to you with what he's doing in your life. And you, you set things before him and he opens doors and he, he opens doors and he closes doors. And you, you're, you're, you're completely sensitive as a whole disposition to be alert to the things of the Lord. This is obviously not Sunday religion we're talking about here. We're talking about the new life in Christ, the abundant life and the joyful life that Jesus talked about, regardless of external circumstances. It's the life in Christ. In losing our life, we find it, and our life belongs to him. And Jesus said that he has to have supremacy over any relationships, any dreams, any pursuits, even your own self-preservation. See, we have all the promises, and we're to hold fast to the promises, or as the song says, hold on to the promises. And they're for you. The apex, the high tide watermark, is your salvation on the day of Christ Jesus. Joey, why do you always say that? Because you're going to have to die. And you're going to get old, and your body's going to break down. And your memory might get fuzzy. And your hips might be broken. And you might use a walker, and you might be in a wheelchair. And you might end the journey in a bed with people dressing you and undressing you. And I want to make sure when I get to that day and you get to that day, you know what promises matter. The promises that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father and he died on the cross for your sins. And he's raised for your justification. But until that day, we want to be fruitful like Abram, who became Abraham. And let's think about that name change upgrade. It's an expansion. And We talked about this a bit last week with the promises, and we're just going to do part two right now. When we think about the promises of God for you, as we're growing in the Lord, as we're pressing into the Lord, and as we're prioritizing the kingdom, the promises take on a fuller, deeper meaning as you see them applied to your life. And you invite, like the Bible says, seek, knock, and ask. Jesus said that, and you'll find, and it'll be open to you, and you will have. And Jesus said, To him or her who has, more will be given. 
And the key element of this story of Abram becoming Abraham and Sarah becoming Sarah is to them who had more was given. And it was given not because they tangibly held more, but their faith did not waver. And you go back to Sarah in Hebrews 11. She, it says about her faith, she counted him faithful who promised it. So even though in the next chapter we're going to see her laughing when the Lord and the angel show up like, hey, she's going to have a baby next year. She's like, ha ha, listening to the tent. And then the Lord says, like, why did you laugh? She goes, I didn't laugh. And he goes, no, but you did. <laughs> and Isaac means laughter, the, the, the miracle child. But even in all of her humanity and how she, what she did right or did wrong, and here's Hagar, worst idea ever, right? What woman wouldn't regret that? I mentioned this Tuesday night. Can you imagine 13 years at the dinner table in the Bedouin tent with the woman who was with your husband intimately and gave the child? Like, that plan didn't work. But she's in the hall of faith because she counted him faithful who promised. So here's Sarai, my princess. Her dad called her my princess. Isn't that cool? In early Chaldeans, 4,000 years ago, dad said, my princess. There's nothing new under the sun. This is baby girl. And God says, mother of nations. It's the upgrade. Sarai to Sarah is an upgrade. Everything Jesus Christ does in our life is better we go from glory to glory. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brandt. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.